Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dean is back, and we have some very important things to talk about because Nashville SC on this podcast, Plugged In, a Nashville soccer podcast, we're talking about Nashville SC getting its first win in Major League Soccer against FC Dallas. I'm Drake Hills, your co-host as well as producer Nick, Nick Gray. We have some things to explain, but we also have some things to break down and also allow fans to celebrate in, in a historic moment. Nick, David Akam, this your guy. Game-winning goal in the 86th minute. Beach Jimmy Maurer, slide right, bottom right corner, in you go. Nice little celebration in the corner. And Nashville Sea holds on 1-0 at Toyota Stadium in Frisco. Well, what was one of the first reactions I had to the uh, so when the starting lineup came out about 40 minutes before game time? I told you, and it, all right, maybe it was a little tongue in cheek, of course, but David Akam being on the bench, it made a lot of sense that you know you're talking about Frisco, Texas in August. Not everybody has the, the legs for that, especially if you're you've been off of of the competitive soccer circuit for five months. But it made a lot of sense that David Akam would be the guy who would have that that opportunity to come in and and make an impact in the game off the bench. And uh, I, like I've said in previous podcasts, you know, I know we haven't talked about on-field soccer for five months, but David Akam, to me, has always been the guy that needed to step up while Hani Mukhtar, Randall Leal, Daniel Rios, and the like get their – kind of get their groove in, in MLS. It was always going to be David Akam, I thought, in the first two or three months to really provide these moments of quality. And he really did provide a, a you know, a, a solo piece of, of quality. Now, I don't want to discredit. discredit. Just four minutes, Nick. Yeah, that's all you, uh, that's all you need sometimes, especially right. somebody the quality and as accomplished as David Akam has been in MLS, but I also want to, I think full credit should be given to the the entire side in Nashville SC because structure-wise, it didn't look like they missed a beat. I think organization was was tremendous. Even, you know, you don't, not, not only do you go five months without playing in a competitive match, but you also are playing without Gary Smith with his issue with his uh, testing issue with the false positive of the COVID-19 test that went down and was uh, announced right before game time on, on Wednesday. I thought I was very impressed by the energy, uh, especially in the second half, but also the organization, you know, sometimes they felt like they were the, the, the back line was under a little bit of duress and uh, Joe Willis and, and company 
took care of things. But if there was going to be a win last night, it was going to have to be crafted the way it was, I thought. Yeah, so a little bit of context, obviously. So let's start with the lineup, right? Because we had a lot of changes. Dominique Baji was on the bench, and Daniel Rio started up top at the number nine slot. Then you move Hani Mukhtar outright, and that's the reason why David Akam started on the bench. Didn't come in into the 82nd minute. Took four minutes, obviously scored in the 86th. But Hani Mukhtar played in Akam's place at the right wing. And who took Mukhtar's place was Derek Jones, the youngster, the USL favorite. He came in and played the number 10. And uh, it was pretty much conventional, except for Brian Beckless, who replaced Eric Miller at right back. So you had some some pretty interesting selections. Uh, and, and again, a little, a little more context on what happened Wednesday. So obviously some of those changes were probably what Gary Smith was looking at based on how training has, has transpired over the past couple of weeks. But as you mentioned, Gary Smith did not make the trip to Dallas because of a week, an interesting week that started Monday when Gary received a positive test for COVID-19. It subsequently was confirmed that that test was a false positive because he took a first retest and that first retest result was negative. He then took a second retest and that retest was also negative. But the problem was the second retest result did not come in time for he to board the plane with the rest of the team and the delegation Wednesday morning because obviously in this first phase, teams are traveling on, if they're going on the road, they're traveling day of, they're going in the day of, they're playing and they're leaving that night. So with, with that situation, Gary was not able to travel, but the uh, word inside the club is that it was a precautionary move and he will be available as of Thursday. He will be available to begin and continue training and leading training with the team. One thing, though, I want to say, Nick, was Brian Beckless was, was actually solid for me. And I think he had that sense of urgency because I think if there was one player who was on the field who was being targeted, it was Beckless. Ryan Hollingshead, the left back for FC Dallas, he seemed to really want to take Grant on and test him a little bit. And I think he did, especially I think it was the fifth or sixth minute. And you had, you know, Nashville in that 4-4-2 defensive block. They started on the 4-2-3-1, but when they weren't in possession, they dropped deep into that 4-4-2 with a flat, uh, two flat fours. And Hellingshead got up the field a lot, and he took Brand on. And so, yeah, Eric Miller was not in the 18. He didn't even travel, I don't believe. So that's a situation where I'm quite interested to see who takes that right back spot because Brand actually played a good, you know, half of a game, if you want to call that. May slightly a little over that, but I think he did well. I do too, and and there was some good link up play between him and Derek Jones and others on that right side. Uh, there wasn't a ton of quality put together as a whole for Nashville. I've seen over the 90 minutes, but I thought he played especially on the attack, you know, I, I, that was promising. I know, you know, him being on the right and then you have Randall Leal on the other side. I know you were hoping that Randall Leal would get more touches. And I don't know if he 
even, you know, and that was your observation in the first half on Twitter. I don't even know if he got got that much in the second half either, to be honest. No, nah, he did, especially. Yeah. He actually got a he actually got a couple of shots on. I think that was in. I want to check my notes, but I'm pretty sure that was closer to the somewhere between the 60th minute and uh, somewhere around there. Uh, Randall was actually getting a lot of action, and the problem was I don't know if it was just me, but this game was played on the near side a lot. Like, a lot. If you're, yes. the, if you're the camera crew, if you're the camera crew, you'd be very appreciative, and if you were a broadcast crew in, in person. You know, I'm not quite sure what FC Dallas was doing, but obviously Nashville was, was remote and virtual uh, with uh, with their coverage. But you'd quite be happy because you can read everybody's jersey number. You know exactly who's on the ball. You know exactly if a foul's a card or not, if it's a dive or not. It seemed like I, every yellow card, and there were quite a few, was on that out that inside near side right. third. Yeah, yeah, you had Brand Brand Beckless. He, he had a studs up challenge near midfield, way like I'm uh, probably like two or probably five yards away from the sideline. From and and he he studs up, he caught a player um on his ankle and got a yellow. That was in that was at the beginning of the uh, excuse me, that was at the end of the first half. That's right, yeah. And then you had Dave Romney in the second half who Caught a yellow from a, it was a, it was somewhat of a, uh, uh, a contentious. It was a contentious challenge. I think there was a little bit of, uh, a little bit of, I guess you could. I'm not going to call it frustration, but I certainly well, the, ten, the tensions, the tension yeah. were high um, from both sides. You know, it was at the end of the game. Dallas was trying to come back. Nashville was trying to seal the win, and Dave Romney got a card that was near the sideline as well. So that was kind of weird for me. Um, one thing I will say, though, is something that Steve Guppy, who was filling in for, for Gary Smith, uh, Steve is, is Gary's longtime, obviously, friend, not only just from Colorado Rapids, but from Wacombe Wanderers. Excuse me, Wacombe Wanderers. Wow, I really botched that, didn't I? That's crazy. But, I mean, they, they clearly had a game plan, even though Smith was not going to travel. In terms of subs, he talked about Alistair Johnson was was likely to make his start pending how the game was going in terms of result. Like if they were losing, I'm I'm not quite sure Alistair would have started, but that was essentially planned, which is which is what he told us. Uh, Beckless as well, you know that that switch was planned. Same thing with with Derek Jones. Uh, so that that was interesting to see is like which subs were planned and which subs weren't, and that was a good question that was asked. Uh, but one thing I also did ask was like, okay, what's the difference from the urgency against Portland and Atlanta versus now? And essentially, it just came down to time. That whatever they're doing in training with attackers, whatever they're doing with Randall Leal and David Akam and you know, everyone else who's up front, Abu Danladi as well, you know, something is going on in training. Maybe it's the repetition. Maybe it's the different – uh, training setups that that Guppy is working on them with, but something has clicked, and it wasn't just a calm because, like I said, uh, Randall Leal in the second half was was looking slightly dangerous for coming off. Abu Danladi replaced him, and then you had uh, Dominic Baji coming in, who who did a little bit of something. Uh, Daniel Rios before he came off, obviously remember that cross that was coming in from the left, and. They, you know, he he was he was trying to claim a PK, but uh, I think he 
his 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 selling wasn't successful, but he was no. maybe a foot or two away from a heading goal, and that would have been a wondrous uh, MLS starting debut for 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 Rios. Well, I thought it was promising, maybe even you know more so just to compare to Portland, where I thought Nashville grew into the game, especially moving forward. Definitely could see that against Dallas, that there was a progression from the first 10 minutes to the next 10 minutes. And it seemed like right before and right after the first drinks break, Nashville SC became fully engaged in, in playing a forward game. You know, and it, always, it didn't always look pretty. It wasn't always well-spaced. And, you know, there were the shot opportunities for the most part were – held to the exterior of the uh of the 18 yard box but i thought it was good to see the progression continue with the the front three plus Derek jones as the game went on and then you had the guys come in from the bench and obviously a calm played pretty well and you know when you score a goal you can you know you, you you can say a guy played well, but you know you have Dami Baji and Abu Dhamadi, and there, there's there's always potential there for a a, a good one on one moment. But I also think that they played well as a group, and it was good to see that. It was good to see David Akam not make me look like an idiot, and at least Means, for the, for the most part, honest, look Nick, well. Nick, let's be honest. You have essentially blindedly. Guess that David Akam was going to. I have that is not this. true. I have I've, I've explained it before now, Drake. We know this that you that somebody has to score the goals, and somebody who has scored goals before in MLS needs to do it. While some, it's going to be goal, Nick, it's going to be goals by company. This there's well, I, Nashville, sure Nashville, Nashville, Nashville is not going to. I don't even think they're going to have a ten goal striker or a ten goal attacker this year. But if they're yes. going to play 30 games, somebody's going to have to score 10 goals. Somebody's no. going to have to. No. There's not going to be four or five guys who have scored four or five goals. There's there, – I, I – No. Eventually there, – There's going to be – there's literally going to be somebody who has maybe seven or eight goals, you know, like perhaps it's Daniel Rios. But we'll, and we'll see. I mean, his, his, his starting debut was, was a bit tough. Um, I think he's still learning. And, yeah. and not learning the game, I mean learning the system and how Nashville wants him to play. Um, and how to kind of it, interact, I thought. Yeah, he's, he's still learning. I think the biggest thing is him learning about how to play with Mukhtar and Liao and uh, Godoy and, and McCarty um, and trying to get link up from if it's Derek Jones behind him at the number 10 or if it's Hani Mukhtar behind him at the number 10. Is it a calm out right or is it Mukhtar out? out wide right is it Don Lottie out wide right is it Baji out wide left I mean you he's still trying to learn that so I definitely need to give him a little bit more time what I'm saying is that there may be one guy maybe it's Baji maybe maybe it's Rios maybe it's Mukhtar maybe it's maybe it's a com maybe a com gets seven goals this year let's say or, or even in a conventional season let's say one of them gets seven goals I think the rest are getting four or five goals, and it's probably going to be four or five others who do that. And you're going to get that 32, 35 goals from those front four while the rest are coming from a random, you know, but skillfully 
Walker Zimmerman or perhaps Dave Romney header or perhaps Anibal Godoy puts in three or four goals, you know, something like that. I just don't see one guy having 10 goals in a season. I challenge them. I challenge Nash. I challenge Dominic Baji. I challenge Daniel Rios, Hani Mukhtar to score 10 goals in a season. Um, and if that happens this year, <laughs> you, you know, good luck to oppositions. If, 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 if Mukhtar is scoring every other game, you know, I think that is, that's something dangerous if you're an opposition. A couple of stats, though, on this game, you had, to me, it seemed like a lot of smoke from Dallas because yeah. they outshot Nashville 15-7 to with five on target. And it's not like Willis was just picking rollers up. I mean, he had to actually, you know, stay in position, stay on his line. He was busy. He was yeah, definitely he was, busy. He was quite busy. He had a... Uh, he had five saves, uh, Joe Willis. And uh, that was four more than he's had in the previous two games pre-pandemic. And he was my man of the match before Akam scored. So, I mean, definitely a new experience for him having to actually be active as opposed to the previous two matches. But I think we should move on to what could possibly happen Sunday. Do you think, Nick, that Dallas is going to do something drastically different. I highly expect that there are going to be some rotation from both sides, but perhaps we see perhaps we see some of the other younger guys. Perhaps, you know, Alistair gets a start this time. Perhaps Matt Lagrassa comes in. Uh, perhaps, you know, we see some of the other players come in. Um, maybe David Akam actually starts <laughs> because he scored on, on Wednesday. I think uh, I think it's possible I, I pro- probable actually is what I should say. You know, seeing guys like Baji and Akam come in on the front. Maybe also you decide that this game, you know, I know you're trying to make sure everyone is fit, but you also have now. Correct me if I'm wrong. This the schedule seems fluid, so to speak, and and things have have come up and things are n- relatively new. But they don't have a game after Sunday until. Saturday against Atlanta, correct? That's correct. So that gives you a full week to to get recuperated. And so if you want to play that same lineup for 50 minutes and you have some guys like that didn't play, you know, more than 65 or 70, I don't think it would be a surprise to see most of those guys come back in the 11 and have them play for 55 minutes or so, especially now that you have five, five uh subs and so that changes a lot too where if you want to if you want want to continue on the building of the chemistry if you really want to make things like Hani Mukhtar on the right and Daniel Rios up front work I think that wouldn't be as I would not be surprised if you saw those two guys in those same positions come Sunday yeah I don't I mean, know what you think about I that think- but I you know it wouldn't surprise me also to see a common bocce there. But I think the, that though, if you want those two things to work, two of those guys are going to be on the bench, two of them be off, and they, they, there won't be any, any of those guys playing the full 90, I don't think. No, I don't think, I don't think there's a lot of guys who are not going to be playing a full 90. I'm very interested to see when we're going to see Jalil Alibaba because that was uh, probably one of your most experienced players. Uh, another vocal leader, 
another guy who can can handle the can handle the pressure. So I'm quite interested to see when Zimmerman or Romney in, in that center back position is going to get a relief, whether that's as a sub or maybe Jaleel starts. Uh, to, 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 to be fair, Romney and Zimmerman were very, very solid yesterday. Oh, that, so let's be clear about why they're being subject. Sure. No, yeah. It's, 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 not not, it's, it's not because of quality. This is simply a, a, a health and, and physical exertion <laughs> debate here um, because there's no doubt at all that Dave Romney is your ideal left center back, is a left-footed center back. And you have Walker Zimmerman, who's arguably, arguably one of the, if not the best, the second best center back in MLS. You don't need to discuss rotation there if it doesn't include or doesn't involve fatigue. So that's just my thing on that. Um, and same sure. thing to me. Same thing to me at the left back. There's no. I mean, Taylor Washington is is not where Dan Lovitz is. So it's it's more about you know who could play now based off of the 18 that they brought. Wednesday, there is no other left back. I mean, you would have to have Alistair Johnson play as a left back. But I think another another combo I would like to see is possibly a second striker centrally. So, yeah, maybe you have – maybe you put Mukhtar back into the middle on Sunday, which I'm not saying they should, but maybe just the, just for the sake of this, this, this conversation. And then you allow – Baji in a right wing, but Baji doesn't stay out wide right. Maybe in the in the in the in the run of play, it turns into a four-two-two, or let's say four-two-two-two. So essentially, he, he, he's what I'm going saying with this two-striker formation, this hasn't changed in five months. That's I personally true. don't understand. Like in the in every in each match, I'm not saying that there is a trend because. You can't have a trend when you haven't played in five months. But I'm <laughs> or or if you've only played three games, yes. Or if you only played three games, yes, sure. But I'm just saying it wouldn't be bad for you not to try, of course, fielding the four-two-three-one, but allowing one of the wings to cut inside and, and to be honest, stay inside when you have possession. Um, because, yeah. that, you know, obviously they might, they might be hard to transition out of, don't have the ball, but – allowing Baji to kind of sit dually with Rios or with Don Lottie or whoever who, who's playing alongside him as a 4-2-2-2. Two, two, two. And I think that would, you know, that might take away the, the wide play that, that Gary Smith loves. Uh, but it's like something has to give if you've got so much wide play, but you don't have enough action in the middle, or at least the service into the middle. My one argument with that is, and I thought, and I noticed this especially early on, once there was entry into the final third, I thought the spacing was not great for the most part. That, you know, of course that gets, you know, getting into the rhythm again in the game is part of that, and it was better as the game wore on. But I also don't think that they're at the point yet with Leon, they need to figure out their wide options and they need to let those guys breathe, so to speak. I think so much of this, of this formation in terms of their attack is going to come from the wide areas. And I think that's also probably why you see Hani Mutar playing on the right wing or on the, on the right as a right midfield or right outside mid, midfielder is to let those outside players breathe. 
and you know adding another person into the middle when you already have good support from at least in in terms of gaining possession maybe not necessarily yet and carrying the ball through the middle as they get into the final third but I think it is so important for this formation in order to score goals is to really lean on the edge of the outside players. If you want to call them wingers, they weren't necessarily wingers. You didn't think they were wingers? I thought that they play kind of behind. I, I guess you could say that, you know, you, we talked, you talked about it they were in a four, four, two for the most part, once they didn't have the ball. And, you know, early on, I thought they sat pretty, pretty, pretty well even with uh, Jones and, you know, if Godoy was coming up, I, I could, see, you know, I, I don't know if they were on the same level, so to speak, as, as Rios going forward, but obviously Leon Akam are, are best utilized as playing, being utilized forward. So for, for lack of a better term, they are wingers and I want to see those wingers play forward and play loose and play aggressive, not only with their press, which you saw yesterday, but also with having the ball at their feet and allowing them to be aggressive uh, with the ball on their feet, with runs. I thought there were a couple times where there were some link-up plays and maybe Derek, Derek Jones could have been a little more aggressive with his runs, allowing those guys to be playmakers, whether it's, off their own foot or giving the ball up to other people is going to be the way this team scores goals more often than not as currently constructed in my eyes. Right. Well, once again, they will be playing Sunday, 7.30 kickoff, same as Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Central kickoff at Toyota Stadium in Dallas. And then, you know, we need to end on this, which is the fans attending the match. You've got almost 3,000. You know, you're just, you know, several fans under 3,000. I believe the precise number was 2,912 that attended the match Wednesday. And obviously, poor first impression. It's very predictable looking at – now, I'm not trying to blanket the FC Dallas fandom, but I, but in, in terms of the markets, think about the markets that – are around MLS. Reggie Cannon, right back for FC Dallas, called it. And so what? let's just say it how it is. So uh, several fans during the playing of the national anthem, which was by the players asked not to be played, but MLS ignored that request. Several FC Dallas fans booed both teams because both teams were kneeling, including many of the subs and coaches, mostly players, though, that were on the bench kneeled during the national anthem and there was one individual who threw a water bottle on the field uh, ridiculous. Not, what's that that's ridiculous yeah did not hit a player but it was still in the immediate vicinity and he was escorted out of the stadium's premises but the news is the news but let's take a look at why would mls allow for the national anthem to be played what is the difference between playing the national anthem in the home markets just because there's going to be a few hundred, several hundred, maybe a thousand, a couple of thousand like that, like Dallas. Sure. They have 2000 something fans. Great. Whoopee. 
is is that the only reason why you're allowing MLS clubs to play the national anthem after you specifically disallowed the playing of the national anthem during the MLS's back tournament in the Orlando bubble? Especially that you had the players ask for it not to be played. Collectively, um, well, collectively. Nashville and Dallas players asked for the for the anthem not to be played. And now I, I, I presume that the league has some type of policy about the national anthem being played before a game. And you have, you know, on the National SC broadcast, unless I missed it, there was no national anthem played on the broadcast. There was a commercial during that There time. was a commercial where they cut away as they showed the kneeling players, which, you know, I have my own issue with not, uh, not, you know, not uh, televising a moment that your players, you are the team's broadcaster and your players are having their first moment in front of the public together as a team to represent a kind of movement that they clearly believe in. That is, that and is, you that is do not broadcast that. Entire player pool and, and you do not, and you have one of your players is one of the chief leaders board. of the um, movement. He's on the board of directors. Jalilani Baba. That to me, outside of even, and I didn't know that they, I didn't even know until after the game that there were fans booing and throwing water bottle and throwing a water bottle. But that to me was disrespectful from the team to the players. Now you have your thing. Now talk, you know, the national anthem thing is, is what it is that they played it is, you know, probably is I'm assuming a policy and that is what it is, but that doesn't excuse number one. That's such a stupid policy though. Why are you having the anthem being played? If you didn't have it, if you haven't had it played since March 8th, that doesn't make sense. You haven't had the anthem played in a MLS sanctioned match since March 8th. And all of a sudden you decide to, what is what is the reason and why? And is it is it FC Dallas? Is it clubs having the right to choose, or is it like you said? Is it a is it a league wide policy that is that is requiring clubs to play the national anthem? Both are you know are idiotic to me. <laughs> yeah. And and on top of that, and on top of that, you know where your players stand. So what's going on with player relations right now? That doesn't make any sense. It so I'm, I'm respectful on so many ways. Leave it on, we should leave it on this. If there is a protest and an anthem being played Sunday at Toyota Stadium when National C plays its second match against FC Dallas, there will be a there will be a league wide problem. I think, uh, especially because I, I would assume that if they're going to boo Wednesday, they're going to boo Sunday. So we should leave it on that. Especially with this being in the news today, which. Right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Plugged in the Nashville soccer podcast, Drake Hills, Nick Gray. We shall see you next week after game two, Nashville and FC Dallas. Thanks for listening guys. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, 
human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.